0: Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. Now, we're continuing this morning in our third part in the series on managing our money. Anyone been helped by that? Surprised you've come back because many times as I start, everyone's Amen, Amen, and then it gets progressively quieter as husbands nudge wives. And wives nudge husbands uh, let's trust that God will build into our lives and give us wisdom we have many preachers that come to Rivers Church over the years and we invite lots of guest speakers but you know what the goal is the goal is not to get you shouting and clapping the goal is to get you living your life Monday to Saturday with success and we don't just want to have an emotional experience we want to have life change and it's more than knowledge we really need wisdom And before I get to to the content this morning, uh, just a couple of funny things about money. A teacher asked some of the pupils in a class to write an essay. She said, I'm going to give you 40 minutes and we're going to write an essay. What would you do if you received a million rand as a gift? So all the students wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And one student just sat there with his arms folded. At the end of the class, they all handed in their essays and he handed in a blank paper. She said, what's this? You've done nothing. He said, exactly. If I got a million rand, I'd do nothing. (laughs) How many wish you could do nothing? (laughs) No, God's created you to work. And even if you get money, you need to manage it. You can't just live for your pleasure. Can you say amen? I was reading about a husband who said to his wife, you know, darling, that car we've been saving up for since 2001, we can finally buy it. She said, oh, the brand new Golf. He said, no, 2001 Golf. I mean, you know, money is a very important topic. Workers earn it. Spendthrifts burn it. Bankers lend it. Women spend it. Forgers fake it. Taxes take it. Dying leaves it. Heirs receive it. The thrifty save it. Misers crave it. Robbers seize it. The rich increase it. Gamblers lose it. I could use it. <laughs> money is simply a medium of exchange. It's a great thing we give our time for money and then we exchange our money. We can't give our time to different people, can we? We can't go work for pick and pay and work for Woolworths and then work for the furniture store, work for the car dealer. We work for money and then that money is used. It's a very practical, helpful thing. And if you think it's evil, guess what? You have a wrong understanding of money and you probably won't manage it properly. However, because we give our time for money, we have to ask ourselves what we give our money for because that's really what we're giving our time for. And money, reflect, your, your values are reflected where you spend your money. Money says a lot about you. Someone once commented, and I think this is an important statement, a budget is a theological document. It indicates who or what we worship. Isn't that the truth? And so when you look at your financial statement, your budget says a lot about you. But what we don't often see together, two words we don't often see together, is money and wisdom. Money and wisdom. In fact, the, the old saying goes, a fool and his money are soon parted. I'd like to believe the opposite's true. A wise man and their money won't be separated. Because when you're wise, you don't just spend, you, you look after your money. There's an English proverb that says, riches serve the wise man but command a fool. Money's either your servant or it's your master. I wanna speak today on wisdom with money. And we'll look at it in two parts, today and next week, because we need as much wisdom with money as we can get. Do you agree? Now Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived. And the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, what can I give you? What would you like? And he said, I want wisdom. And God said to him, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll give you riches as well. Now God didn't just give him riches, riches didn't just come his way, the wisdom produced the riches, because he asked for the right thing, God's kind of saying to him, automatically you're going to get money, because when you have wisdom, you know how to accrue wealth and build your life. So I want to read our key passage, and then we'll unpack some things this morning on wisdom with money. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. Uh, Solomon speaking says, my son, that's my daughter too, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. In other words, you need to tithe. Then your bonds will be filled to overflowing, not just enough, and your vats will brim over with new wine depending what kind of Christian you are you probably stumble over that but let's move on blessed are those who find wisdom those who gain understanding now notice how he equates wisdom he equates it to valuables and 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 silver and gold he says for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold she is more precious than rubies nothing you desire can be compared with her long life is in her right hand and her left in her left hand are riches and honor it's better not to chase money it's better to chase wisdom when you've got wisdom everything else follows and can you see prosperity and blessing and increase and overflow is not evil it gives you resources which give you power which enable you to change your world so let's look at some things here that give us wisdom with money we first need to start with what we believe because your belief system determines everything you do in life so number one Believe that it's God's will for you to prosper. If you don't believe it, you won't receive it. Isn't that true? And most people believe that money is evil, but it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. We must believe that money is helpful, otherwise we won't attract any. Too many people believe that rich people are bad. No, people are bad. I've come across some very bad poor people and some bad rich people. Don't categorize people because you alienate yourself from the blessing of God. How can you hate something and expect it to flow into your life? So we need to have a right belief system about money. Everything you believe is what you will attract. If you believe in healing, you will receive healing. If you believe in success, if you believe in growth, if you believe that money is a good thing from God, then you will attract it. But if you believe it's uh, evil, guess what? It won't happen. The second thing here under this point is believe that God wants you to to receive, but it's not all up to God, it's up to you. Some people believe, okay, if if it's God's will, I will prosper. If it's not God's will, I won't prosper. No, no, it's God's will for you to prosper, but you've got to do something. Too many people teach that uh, it's all in God's hands or the devil's hands. So people run up debt and then they look for a conference called Debt Cancellation. How many of you know you can't live five years of stupidity and then come to one meeting and the man of God prays over you? In fact, before anyone like that prays over me, I want him to show me his bank statements. We need to think a bit more in South Africa, don't you think? All these silly, trite, easy fixes. No, no, it doesn't work like that. And God's not responsible for your finances. You are. You don't wait for, for it to, to happen. You know, someone once said, I'm, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. No, no, you need to swim out to meet it. Chris Hogan wrote a book called Everyday Millionaires, and he collected data from 10,000 millionaires across America. And this is what he says uh, after looking at the results. He analyzed how they got their money, where they got their money, did they inherit their money, And this is the comment he makes, and we'll come to the crux at the end of it. Let me read it to you. He says this. He says, We are bombarded with headlines every day that try to convince us the wealthy are the enemies of the middle class. We're told that the rich get richer off the backs of the poor. We're sold a bill of goods that entitlement programs, tax relief, social security, and government-run health care will take care of us. And it seems like the younger you are, the more likely you are to believe this garbage very quiet now. For example, he found that 74%, that's three out of four, of millennials, people 18 to 35 years old, they believe millionaires inherited all their wealth. 74% of millennials believe, uh, if you're a millionaire, you must have inherited it. Then he says 52% of baby boomers, that's people 55 years old to 75 years old, that's that's nearly half of them, 55 or more than half of them, believed that too. He said only 3% of millionaires that they surveyed received an inheritance of $1 million or more. 3%. So you see, what you believe about millionaires, if you believe they were lucky, they were blessed, and that they're arrogant, guess what? You'll never end up living in that category because you can't enjoy something you despise. We've got to get a right belief about money before we can manage it. We need some wisdom. Rick Edelman, He wrote a book called The Truth About Money. How many you know it's important to read the truth about money? Not just have fiction. He says this, poor is a state of mind. Broke is a state of wallet. You can fix being broke. It's not so easy to fix being poor. You see, when when you're poor, it's the way you think. Not just the position you're in. So we need to change our belief system. And if you've got wrong beliefs about money, God wants to change that. 1 Timothy tells us, about the things that God considers good, 1 Timothy 4, for everything God created is good, I mean God created gold, silver, rubies, precious stones, which we now convert into money, but it says here and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, a lot of the time it's not money itself that's the problem, it's our attitude, we become arrogant and we become discontent, but money itself is a good medium of exchange, in fact in the book Business for the Glory of God, Wayne Grudem He's a, he's a brilliant thinker. He says this: He says, Money is fundamentally good because it is a human invention that sets us apart from the animal kingdom and enables us to subdue the earth by producing from the earth goods and services that bring benefit to others. So you're different from animals when you use money. If you think you came from the monkeys, try and do some trade with them, see how far you get. They'll grab your money and run, which is probably what some people do anyway. He says, so money is simply a tool for our use that we can rightly thank God that in his wisdom he ordained that we would invent it and use it. What do you think about money today? Have you got a right belief system? You know, do you think that Jesus wants everybody to be poor? Do you think that Jesus was dirt poor? Well, he had a garment on that was so expensive that they didn't want to tear it when he was hung on the cross. Jesus mixed with rich people and he mixed with poor people. He didn't say to the rich, I've got no time for you. He hung out with tax collectors. He went into their homes. And he met the needs of the poor. Don't be a person that's biased and listens to social media and gets your head bent out of shape by the garbage they're teaching today. You'll never amount to much. You see, people keep talking about inequality, inequality, inequality. But the Bible is full of inequality. And the book of Acts didn't get rid of inequality. The book of Acts, they shared their possessions amongst one another out of voluntary action rather than an imposed system. Are you with me? The year of jubilee, when it, redu- when it removed your debt, it didn't give you money. It just gave you a chance to start again, but it didn't put wealth in everyone's hands. We've got to get a right understanding of biblical economics. In the book of Acts, when Ananias and Sapphira sold their field and they brought half the money, it wasn't that they brought half the money, it's that they lied to the church. Peter said to them, wasn't it your field while it was yours, and when you sold it, wasn't the money yours, in other words, this is not forced sharing, this is a system of generosity, but we have a false belief system about money, many false beliefs, it's up to God, the rich are bad, the book of Acts is about communism, no, these are wrong beliefs, I told you it would get even quieter in the room, one of the false beliefs is this, I just want enough, my, you sound so spiritual, but you're not, let me remind you of Israel's journey in the plan of God. When they were in, the wo- in Egypt, it was the land of not enough, the place of not enough. When God took them into the wilderness, it was the place of just enough. But God's ultimate plan was Canaan, the land of more than enough. Which place do you want to live in? Do you want to live in Egypt? Do you want to live in the wilderness where there's just enough? That wasn't God's best. That's a wilderness. You need to live in Canaan. You need to have a right belief system because when you've got more than enough, you can do more good than just look after yourself. Am I making sense? Deuteronomy chapter eight, the Lord talks to us here about wealth and it's Moses speaking, I'd like to read this and then take you to Deuteronomy 15 in just a moment so that we can develop a sound belief system. Moses speaking says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, the land of more than enough, A land with brooks, streams, deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig tree, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. How many of that speaks of abundance? A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. A lot of people think wealth is just to be found lying around. No, no, it requires work and searching out. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land He's giving you. Be careful, here's a warning, that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, because that's what money can do to you, His laws and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down in Santon, and when your herds and flocks glow large, and your silver and gold increase, can you see it's not negative, and you have, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God as you drive along in your BMW. who brought you out of a township, out of the land of slavery. Come on, let's make it relevant. We can get to a place where money hurts our hearts, but it's God's ultimate plan to bless you. What's your belief system about these things? Do you secretly believe that money is bad? Because if you do, you'll never be able to manage it. And you'll always drive it away. Now notice here it says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced the salary for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives the ability to what? Produce wealth. It doesn't just get given to you. You produce it and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. You see, the problem wasn't a lack of resources. God was going to bless him. The problem was a lack of a good spirit, a lack of a right attitude, a lack of gratitude. And so here, the promise of God. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, and we'll see here where we need to create and produce wealth, not just redistribute it. It says, however, there need be no poor people among you in South Africa. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. Now here's the key, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. And you don't steal from ESCOM and SAA and take bribes. Sorry, it's all in the Hebrew. (laughs) Are you with me this morning, church? For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. Can you see the promise here of prosperity of more than enough? But we've got to honor God. You see, you can't be corrupt and receive wealth through corrupt means it won't last. It's not true. Godly prosperity, not only won't it last, it'll bring trouble into your life because it's become your God and it's become your master. And so many people believe in get-rich-quick schemes and they hope that that's going to be the answer, but God says, no. I've promised to bless you. You need to have a right belief system, and when you get the right belief system, you get back to my original plan for your life. I love this verse in Ecclesiastes as we wrap up this point. Ecclesiastes 7:29. it says, "Solomon speaking, this only have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. Don't get all sorts of schemes in your head, religious schemes. Get rich quick schemes, get God's original plan, and then we can begin to manage our money correctly. Number two, the second thing is we begin to look at wisdom, know how to create wealth, not just riches. You will notice in the Bible that the two terms are used, wealth and riches, but they are two different things. And you can think it's a different word for the same thing, but it's not. And the Bible always talks about the righteous, those who live correctly, experiencing the blessing of both wealth and riches. Notice Psalm 112 and verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Now we see the results. Verse 2. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Have you noticed our Rivers Church, the younger generation, he's strong, It's emerging, that's the result of those who honor God and then train up their children. Now verse three, this is the one people struggle with. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. In other words, when they get money, they don't lose their integrity. They stay honoring God. That's what a righteous person looks like. Wealth and riches. And you'll be criticized. Oh, you one of those prosperity churches. No, we're one of those Bible churches that teaches the whole Bible. And we don't apologize for the blessing of God because you can't change the world without resources. Can we feed more than 70,000 children a week without money? No, it doesn't come from the sky because we're not living in the wilderness. If we were in the wilderness, Lord, give us manna. Rain on that school, Lord, this morning. Rain on that one tomorrow. no. We're in the land of Canaan where we have to dig and produce and then give. Are you with me? But getting back here, why the difference between wealth and riches? Let me explain the difference to you. Riches are what you spend uh, cash flow, if you like. But wealth is something that you've got as a foundation in your life that generates money for you even when you don't have cash in your hand. Let me give you an example. Someone in the room or one of the campuses today could have two million rand in the bank. They might not have any debts and you say, gee, they are rich, which they are. They have riches, but they don't have wealth. Now you meet someone, they've got nothing in the bank, but they own a house that's paid for. They've got two cars that are paid for. They've got shares. They've got a retirement annuity. They have wealth, not just riches. And too many people focus on riches because that's what's visible publicly, but they've got no security or foundation, which is wealth. And we've got to create wealth, which is a foundation. Imagine if we end up in civil war, God forbid. But imagine the country ends up in civil war. You know, it'll help you. Not your loans and all that stuff. If you own a house that's paid for, no one can take it from you because it's yours. Your family at least has a place to hide. Even if it gets bombed or there's, but, but when you've got debt, guess what? You've got nothing. You've got nothing because the person might want their home to hide in and they'll drive you out of it. You, you, we need to build wealth, not just focus on riches. Riches are, 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 are what you spend to enjoy now. Wealth is what builds for your future. And too many of us are focused on the now instead of our future instead of our eternal future we need to focus on that you can pay now and play later or you can play now with riches and you'll pay later when you retire so many people are miserable because they don't have anything because they didn't think ahead do you know that the world is changing and you can't think about money the way you thought about it before You can't rely on governments. They don't have money. People are living to a a much older age. You can't retire and sit on the stoop anymore and read the paper. There is no money for it. You better be out there working, doing something on the side. They say as we move into our future, everything's going to change. There was a baseball great. His name is Yogi Berra. He said this, the future ain't what it used to be. The future you thought would be like all all the other futures can be very different. Cars are going to be automated, so you won't need insurance anymore. All these wonderful car insurance adverts are going to be gone because cars are going to be automated. You won't be a risk. The idiot next to you won't be a risk anymore. You won't need insurance. (laughs) The world is changing, healthcare is changing, people are living longer. And so everything in the world is changing, and the economics of the world are going to change. Revelation 6 and verse 6 says that a piece of bread will be equivalent to a bag of gold. That's how bad the economy is going to get. Are you thinking about it, or are you just buying the jeans and the Gucci shoes as long as you can look rich? No, you need to be building wealth that people don't even see. You can't even put money into a pension fund and retire. It's not enough. Do not be deluded that you've got a pension fund. Because when it pays out, it's going to give you nothing. I paid into a pension fund for some fourteen years, I think it was, and you know what they paid me out? One hundred and twenty thousand after fourteen years, and the government took forty thousand, so I ended up with eighty. Yeah, imagine trying to retire on that. Eighty thousand wouldn't take you very far. So you have to think, and you have to build wealth. Not just look at riches because everything is changing. Benjamin Franklin gave us this advice years ago. He said, if you would be wealthy, think of saving as well as getting. See, what you do when you're earning your salary now will determine what you will do in the future. And and we have wrong ideas about money. Uh, Tom Cawley is an author. He wrote a book called Rich Habits. In this book, he studied the habits of rich people, their daily success habits. And he tried to figure out what made them successful. And one thing he said is 67% of uh, rich people don't watch television. So, why wow, are they sitting at home miserable? Don't they want to pay the TV license? No, they haven't got time for nonsense. They're too busy scheming about their future and making sure their future is secure, while the rest of us are spending our riches on entertainment. They are busy building wealth. Now he said this in the book, he said that the founder of IKEA, the big Swedish company that produces furniture, the owner's name is Ingvar Kamprad. he is worth, listen, 58 billion dollars, that's a gazillion rand. He said this, he doesn't wear anything from a, that's not from a flea market because he wants to set a good example. Is he stingy? No, he knows that if you save money, it multiplies, and in your future, it will hold you in good stead. And he learned those habits when he had little. Now that he's got a lot, it hasn't changed him. Bill Gates, he said, still wears the same 150 Rand watch that he wore when he was a young man, even though he can buy a, a drawer of Rolexes, and he's worth $107 billion. Warren Buffett put it like this, another rich man, and you can think these people are stingy. No, they're just clever. If you buy things you do not need, soon you will have to sell things you need. He's worth $78 But you see, listen, you don't understand. People say, these rich, stingy people, I could do with some of it. No, that's how they got there. They got there by using the little they had. Because we all think, this is what we all think and we get it wrong. If only I could earn more. No, 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 you don't need to earn more. You just need to manage what you currently earn. And if you get that right, guess what? When you get more, you'll manage it correctly. You see, this is the thing about money. We don't understand it when we look at rich people. Money doesn't change you. It just amplifies who you already are. If you've got good habits, when you get rich, you have the same good habits. If you've got bad habits and you think of riches and spending and image... You'll do the same when you have a lot and you'll squander it. How many of you seen rich people spending money on stupid stuff? Putting gold taps in their houses and air-conditioned dog kennels. It, it, you say, oh, I'd like to be so rich. No, they're stupid. They'd, they'd be stupid with a little. Now they've got a lot. They won the lottery or something or they're getting bribes or something. Now they're living like kings. They're just as stupid as they were when they were living in poverty. We need wisdom with money and we need to create wealth. And it's wrong to think all the time, oh, these people are wealthy because they're lucky. No, no. Let me let me give you an example of this because it's very important to break this pattern this thinking. Many of you have heard of Michael Phelps, the great swimmer. Started swimming at 15 years old, brought home 28 medals. He's worth 60 million dollars. They studied his body, and ladies, just hold on there. <laughs> they studied his body. Now the scientists studied his body, and they said his hands are bigger than the average person. So when he strokes, he's got an advantage. His feet are bigger than the average swimmer, so he's, he's got an advantage. And they say his lung capacity is bigger because if you look at the, his torso, his upper body, ladies, slowly now, you'll see, <laughs> compared to the other swimmers, his body's longer, he's got a bigger lug, so he's got a 10% advantage. But it wasn't luck that made him the successful swimmer and the rich man he is. He spent six days Six hours a day, six days a week, swimming 80 kilometers. He had to do a special diet, weightlifting, training, and discipline. You see, you can have some natural advantages and some skill and some savvy, but you've got to put in the work if you're going to build wealth. You don't just get there. So now to create wealth. Don't spend money on frivolous things. Jeans by Gucci, 7,000 rand, 12,000 rand. It's just denim from China. <laughs> Come on now. Rather put 7,000 rand into your debt. Pay your car off or put it into your house. Change the surfaces in the kitchen to granite. One day when you sell the house, you've raised the value. Now there's the whole thing of overcapitalizing. But the more your house is, possible, and I have done that over the years. We first bought a house in Wendywood, 285,000 rand from the church. The church was a church man's and we bought it and we improved it and improved it, and improved. We sold it for nearly a million rand because we kept putting our money into a little bit, a little bit. When I was on leave, I took a week of my leave and I retiled the whole bathroom myself. When people came and said, oh, this is a lovely bathroom. Look at these hands. You see, but some of us, we want to sit and then we want to sell our house dirty and all with no improvements. Oh, I'm, I'm going to get this price. You're living in dreamland. I live in an estate where people are asking for ridiculous prices. They haven't looked after their homes. They put their money into spending on all sorts of flashy jewelry. And then the house is not well maintained. No, that's how you create. The house is wealth. The stuff is riches. And some people rather look rich than have wealth. Let me leave that point. I think you've had enough. Number three, do more sewing than spending. Do more sewing than spending. And I'm not talking about sowing into the kingdom only. I want you to hear there's a difference between wealth and riches, and there's a difference between sowing and spending. When you spend money, you buy items that have no lasting value. You buy things. Let me give you a list. Clothing, cars. I'll just pause there. People say, oh, the cars and investment. No, there was a company called Investment Cars. They don't exist anymore. Because cars aren't an investment unless they're extremely rare. Unless there's certain old cars, not all old cars, but some old cars. But a car, the minute you drive it off the showroom floor, if you drove it into the street, made a U-turn and drove it back 25% off immediately. Yeah, but I just took it out. That's exactly what happens to a car. It's not, it's not a, it's not, you're not sewing when you buy cars, you're spending. It's riches you're using, not, you're not building wealth. Are you with me? And we need to understand, you, you, restaurants... Furniture, and we eat out, but you need to think about it before you do it. Home decor, what's in now will be out next year. Renting. Some people spend 20,000 Rand on a car payment, and then they rent a place for 7,500. No, 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 no. Just look straight at it. if you're guilty. Say, Lord, help me. (laughs) Now listen, if you're a young person, you know where your money can go when you spend it? Coffee. Do you know that a coffee every day could constitute... A massive chunk out of your bond. You pay a bond off in 10 years instead of 20 years just by not drinking coffee that comes in a fancy cup and you can walk around. Oh, was it Starbucks? Yeah, you got, you got free internet, but they, man, they charge you for the internet and the coffee. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not being down on Starbucks. You just need to think. Jeans, games, sneakers. Now you're all thinking, oh, Pastor Andre wears them too. Yeah, most of them are gifts. And I buy most of my stuff in America. So I get to travel to America, so I take advantage of it. So I don't go impulse buying. I had a birthday two months ago. I've still got the vouchers in an envelope. Because there's nothing I need to spend it on. I'll wait till the right time. When I go to America next, I go to all the places I go to. Hi, Pastor, how are you? No, I'm great. What can we do on this? Don't worry, we'll do. That's how I buy. Because my money goes in my house. I'm building wealth. I'm not trying to look rich, but I don't think I look too bad. Are you with me? You need wisdom because we're too busy building image. So we spend, you spend money on stuff. When you sow, you put, you're putting something that's going to get a return. You don't get a return on clothing. You don't get a return on restaurants. But when you put money into your bond, you get a return. When you buy something, when you, when you pay for your children's education, you're actually sowing. That's why when it comes to bills, people don't want to pay school fees and they don't want to pay doctors. Why? Because they don't understand about investing. They only understand about spending. Now you invest in your health, you invest in the education. It's very quiet in this Presbyterian church across these two campuses this morning. So, how do you sow? You sow into your bond, into savings, into a house into giving to God, because all of those things are about the future. When you put money into your bond, you're thinking about your immediate future. When you give money to God and you sow, you're thinking about your eternal future, and we're promised a reward, but we're too busy thinking about spending instead of sowing. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 2, invest in seven ventures, yes in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Things are uncertain, so you must put your money into things that might work. Now notice, he uses the same term interchangeably. Sow your seed in the morning. And at evening, let your hands not be idle. For you do not know what will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally. Well, you've got to create your future. There's risk involved in investments, but if you keep doing it. Property generally will, will take a dip, but on the overall, it will grow. You with me? I bought a house 12 years ago. Uh, it's about 16 years ago now. And uh, it more than doubled by the time I sold it. But guess what? I kept fixing a little bit, little bit. I did one wall up the passage. You go upstairs. Did that whole wall in marble. Cost me about twelve thousand. I saved up, bought the marble tiles, got the guy in when I was away on holiday. He tiled the wall. When people walked in, oh, it's got look at the marble. marble. Now I could have worn that marble on my. I could have worn the jeans. I could have a big fancy watch that keeps hooking on my jacket, or I can put it on the wall and later get more than double for the house. You have to think wealth. You have to think uh, sewing rather than spending. Can you say Amen. amen? Number four. This is very important, church. We're talking about wisdom. Don't increase your lifestyle in proportion to your income. You see what happens is the minute we get an increase, we don't put that into savings. We don't put it into debt cancellation, we go out and celebrate with more expensive wine at a more expensive restaurant, and then we decide to buy a more expensive car. Isn't that the truth? Some of you don't want to agree. Chris Hogan, in his book, Everyday Millionaires, he says this, he says, people get an increase, and I've converted it into rands, people get an increase of 6,000 rand a month. So they celebrate by buying a new car. Unfortunately, the monthly payment is pushed to 7,500 Rand a month. Because you know, once you've made a decision with all the insurance and everything, it's not what you thought. You thought it would be six, but it's 7,500. He says this. He says, in the end, they're actually worse off now by 1,500 Rand a month. If you keep pushing it up, see, it's not what you earn. It's what you do with what you earn. Pastor and I both drive cars that are paid for. Oh, what a joy! Of the Lord that fills our souls. I don't care if it's the old shape. Oh, that's the old shape. Who cares? I'm inside, I don't see the shape. All I see is the dashboard and it's paid for. Listen to me this morning, I'm trying to help you. Sold, I just recently sold a car that was eight years old. You know what I did? I did the inside up. I changed the steering wheel. They re-upholstered in Italian leather cost me like 3,000 rand. There I sit with this Italian leather. Because you don't see the outside. Yeah. As long as the motor was cooking and the thing was going beautifully, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't care what it looks like to you. Because everything about these things is emotional. Yeah. And we keep getting, they keep, if you notice how they keep changing the shape? Mercedes used to change their shape every six years. No, now there's updates. They change the bumper, they change the hood, they put the fin on the top, they take the fin off. Uh, uh, so Why? So that yours as you sit, sit behind it. It's old, it's old school. No, no, don't play that game. It's much better when you, when, you, when, you, when you live within your means. And I could drive a very expensive car. I don't want to put money into it. Just keep going into my bond. Keeps going into my bond. My previous house, I only had 200,000 rand owing, and the house sold for millions. You've got to use your head. You need wisdom. Now, he says this. He, Chris Hogan goes on to say this. He says, if you don't have a plan, more money will simply bring more Problems. In many situations, more money is the last thing you need. Now, how many of you have heard of Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey is a money expert. His daughter now. is following in his footsteps. Her name is Rachel Cruz. And I love the book she wrote. It's called, "Lab Your Life, Not Theirs. Because <laughs> we tend to look at other people's lives and we love their life and we want to compare ourselves with them, she says, but we don't know how deep they are in debt. I love this. She says, debt basically enables people to live a lie. And a great rumble went right through Kyle Army, right along the Woodmead Drive into Santon. <laughs> Come on, church. Let's take wisdom and bring joy into our lives. God is for prosperity, but you won't get there unless you manage what you have. She says this. She said, once you're a homeowner, your house will probably be the biggest long-term investment you have. Every dollar or every rand you spend on your bond is like putting money into a house-sized piggy bank. So, it makes sense to look at home buying through the lens of saving. Don't just look at riches, look at wealth. She goes on to say once you're debt free, except for your mortgage or your bond, bump your starter emergency fund up to three to six months worth of expenses. That will be your fully funded emergency fund. Can you see there's no easy way? You get retrenched. Aren't you stressed? No, the Lord is my help and my salvation. And I've got an emergency fund because I manage my money correctly. What do most people say? Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey, The devil's here. I need to go to some convention. I need prayer. And then they repossess one car and they repossess the other car. And then you're borrowing from relatives. It's not the devil. He's in Iraq. I told you that before. <laughs> Dave Ramsey says the successful people reach their money goals by taking small intentional steps towards those goals every day. Number five, still good? Break your bad money behavior patterns. How many of you know all of us as Christians? We have a lot of knowledge, but our behavior doesn't always match what we know. Have you noticed that Christians steal? You've seen it in the news. People who go to prayer meetings and attend church still are involved in corruption. Have you noticed that Christians still commit adultery? It's not like you go and talk to them and they go, oh, I didn't, we in the Bible. No, we've got a lot of knowledge, but we've got behavior patterns that repeat, and they need to be broken. And we're the ones responsible for dealing with them. Starts with belief, then behavior. Are you with me? And uh, Dave Ramsey said this about money. He said, taking control of your finances is 80% behavior, 20% head knowledge changing the way you act is vital to helping you reach your money goals and when you truly understand the problems with your behaviors around money you'll be able to change the way you act do you know that you can be close to Jesus speak in tongues even see the glory of God and have bad behaviors about money Judas did let me read to you Judas because we've got Judas's in the church I meet them every night again. You say, how do you know? Aren't you judgmental? No, I just, I see them in the scripture. They say the same stuff. Come, let's read. Come, let's read. John chapter 12. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Have you come across people whenever the church does something, they object? Imagine objecting to what Jesus allows. I don't think Rivers Church should have these shiny windows And this expensive screen, you're objecting to something God permits. Be very careful. There's a woman pouring ointment, expensive ointment on Jesus, and he's objecting. But I love this, why? They always say why. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. But the Bible tells us he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. Notice those words. He used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, stingy people criticize what the church does because they are helping themselves. Not to the church's money, to their, they are taking out of their money and helping themselves. So they don't want to give to the church. They criticize what the church does because they know if the church is doing so much, they're going to have to give out of their bag. And guess what? It's not yours to help yourself out of. It's actually God's because you're not an owner, you're a steward. And if you become critical and negative about the church and it does good things and the church is excellent and you criticize, it's because you are holding on to your bag and you're not giving out and you've got an attitude that needs to be broken. God wants to break that. Number six, and I need to come to a close, develop contentment. The greatest wisdom I can give you is develop contentment. You see, you say that one day when you drive a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW, you'll be happy with your car. No, you won't. I've had luxury cars. You get used to all of them. You feel the bumps in all of them. It's only the first six months. Oh, this is amazing. It's a whole nother level. No, no. Six months later, you hear the rattles. Trust me. Trust an older man. And every shape becomes ugly you are to learn contentment with where you live and what you've got. But that doesn't mean you mustn't have goals and aspire. There's a balance there. It's a divine discontent. Rachel Cruz and her father, Dave Ramsey, wrote this book, and it's Smart Money, Smart Kids. I'd encourage you to get it. She says this, or they say this, if you want to raise money, smart kids, you have to raise kids who are content. If your children are unhappy already at 12 years old, I don't want to wear this. I, I want the one with the tick on it. And You've got to teach them because otherwise they will grow up wanting all this stuff and it never satisfies. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You have to learn this, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world, you can't even take the gold in your teeth with you, and Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I hope this has helped you today, keep your life free from love of money, and be content with what you have, you see what we think is Oh, you're telling me to be content. You know, if I was rich, I'd be content. No, you wouldn't be. Listen to me. I'm going to give you four tips from millionaires, then I'm going to close. All good? Watch this. 94% of millionaires say they live on less than they make. Imagine being a millionaire and then living on less than you make. You know what it is? They've understood contentment from before they were millionaires. Contentment's not something you get when you get a certain amount. Contentment is an attitude. Number two, the average millionaire drives a four-year-old car with 65 kilometers on it why because they're content with transport we keep looking at the next model the next model three series five series seven series Bentley hmm? one Land Rover two Land Rover three Land Rover four five Land Rover six Land Rover seven Land Rover, more no 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 you gotta stop you want to acquire wealth you can look rich but you don't have wealth Number three, 82% of millionaires, watch this, have no car payments. 82%. Why? Because they're doing too much with the money to spend it on a piece of steel. Next time you go and look at that car you're leasing, tell yourself there's a piece of tin covered with plastic. No, you get perspective. And then go to your house and knock on the walls. This is brick and mortar. This is, this has got, this is wealth that is riches. Come on, every time you go in that, that shop and that, that watch is shining Santa city, buy me, buy me. No, you need to go, that's riches. I'm going home to sit in my wealth. And number four, number four, 70% of millionaires set aside some of their monthly income to give to others. You can only do that when you're content, when you understand the difference between riches and wealth, and when you understand the difference between sewing and spending. Because you sow into other people's lives and you get blessed we hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message